0: You have to remind yourself of that. Put whatever your wages are plus your distribution, take that number, divide it by 2080. And then you have to ask yourself, would I pay somebody to do that? It's true of mowing a lawn. It's true of booking your travel. It's true of so many other things. And so the best use of your time as a leader, as a business owner, is to get above those types of activities and only do the things that only you can do.
1: Well, hey there, if we haven't yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be So that others may benefit and God may be glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of that mission, that calling coming to life. And (laughs) I'm so excited. One of the things that I just get so thrilled about, I just get giddy about it with regard to this podcast, is that I get to introduce the people that I love, which is all of you that are in the Path for Growth community, to people that I really love and people that I learn from. And certainly that's what we're going to do today day because today I want to share with you a conversation that I had with Brian Miles. Now, many of you listened to the conversation that I had with Brian's wife, Shannon, a few months ago, really at the start of this podcast, and that's still one of our most listened to episodes to date. And I think partially because it's so, number one, authentic and real, but also so practical and actionable. And certainly that tone that existed in Shannon's conversation gets carried right into this conversation with Brian. Brian and Shannon are just incredible friends and really just incredible mentors of mine. They have spoken into my life in some of the big decisions that I've made over the course of the past, honestly, year, and they've showed me outrageous hospitality and generosity having me over to their house, and we've just been able to talk and unpack things, and what I really appreciate is the wisdom and the perspective that they bring as people who are in the entrepreneur space because Brian and Shannon started a business years and years ago called Belay. It wasn't called Belay at the time, but that's what it's now called. And Belay is a virtual assistant and bookkeeping company, and now they do other things as well. And it's now been scaled up to the degree where they now have over a thousand virtual workers around the country who work for Belay and are connected to business owners, business leaders, pastors around the country. It's just absolutely unbelievable. My assistant, Lane, who you've heard me talk about before, she's an absolute all-star. She I found her through belay, and she's just been absolutely incredible ever since we started working together in under a month after the business started. So they started that company. They built that company up to where it's now at over a thousand virtual workers around the country. And it was that at that point that they have now raised up Trisha, who maybe you've seen Trisha, if you follow Brian and Shannon, who operates as the CEO of Belay. So Brian and Shannon still own belay but they do not run belay they are not involved in the day-to-day of belay solutions and that's granted them the opportunity and the ability to go do some other amazing things specifically they've started a brewery called nofo brewco down just outside of atlanta unbelievable the the beer is outrageously good and i'm a craft beer fan their hazy ipa is like nobody's business but but also just as compelling is the brand that they're creating I mean, it is just absolutely incredible, the vibe of the place that you walk into. And Brian has told me before that what they're trying to create is that feeling that you get whenever you get off the mountain after skiing, you've had a long day, and you just want to sit down with great people, have killer conversation, and just relax. You don't want outrageously loud music. You don't want to be in this grungy, dingy place. You want to have a good drink, and you want to relax with great people around a campfire. And that's what they've created Absolutely unbelievable. So, if you're ever in the Atlanta, Georgia area, or maybe you should just make plans to get to the Atlanta, Georgia area, no fo bruco. And we're going to talk about that some in this conversation. And then, also, another piece of this conversation that really I would say serves as the centerpiece of what we're about to talk about is Brian and Shannon have stepped into the content arena and are building a platform that really just exists to share the wisdom of what they've learned and what they know about owning a business. And one of the things that they are so passionate about and so equipped to teach on is the fact that there's a difference between running a business and owning it. And this was a story. This was a realization. This was a principle that Brian found out on the side of a mountain at around midnight.
0: It was back in 2011 My wife and I had gone out to Jackson Hole in Wyoming and I was out there with my kids and we were, I was to go climbing with a friend of mine. His name is Jeff, wildly successful business guy, took a company public back in 1999 at the right time, exited really well. And so I looked up to him and still do as a friend and an advisor. He's kind of like an older brother to me. But when you climb the Tetons, especially when you climb the Grand Teton, the intent is that you climb from about 6,000 feet to 10,000 feet and then you take a break, eat dinner. You rest, you just sit around and you sit in the tent. And then at midnight, you wake up and you go climb to the top. So anyway, got up to about 10,000 feet. We're in the tent, had dinner and I was trying to sleep and, and I couldn't. So he started, you know, just naturally asking me questions about the business that Shannon and I were in by about nine months. And he knew high level about the business, but he started really kind of poking away at me in the tent. And mind you, I'm nine months into a business with my wife where we left our jobs. We cashed in our 401ks. Like, this is a really big deal. Our kids are two and five. So, <laughs> like, it, there's, there's a lot writing just in general. And then to be at that moment in a tent at 10,000 feet. So, he asked me some questions. And I made some insinuation or implication that, I, you know, I own this business. And he said, you don't own anything. And I said, well, yes, I do. Of course I do. He goes, no, you don't own anything. And I'm like, oh boy, here comes a teaching moment, right? So <laughs> he goes, Brian, and it ticked me off so bad. He was so right. So I turned over in my sleeping bag and promptly pretended to act like I was asleep and stewed on that thought <laughs> until midnight. And then we climbed to the top and made it down and came down. So the next day, as we came off the mountain, I saw Shannon and I said, I have been thinking about this the whole time we've been climbing. What Jeff said is right. We need to change our mindset about this. We need to really own our company, not run our company. And so we created a mantra that day of just own, not run. You know, is the decision I'm making today as a business owner, am I owning this company more or am I just running it? And so it informed our decision in this business and really all of our businesses that we own now. Of own, not run. And it came from, you know, a conversation where a friend of mine was really just challenging me on, you know, are you really owning the company or not?
1: And it's so cool how that is the name of the the additional business that you're building now and the platform and the content is all centered around that concept of own, not run. It's funny, it's one of those things that maybe it's that once you hear it, you start looking for it more or maybe it's actually happening more. But I swear, ever since I've gotten to know you, I the number of people that I hear using the phrase, oh, I wanna own it, I wanna not run it. I'm like, oh my God, you need to meet Brian and Shannon Miles. You gotta meet them, you gotta meet them. But it occurs to me, it's interesting that the emotion that you experienced the the moment he had that teaching moment with you the emotion was anger why why anger there
0: I think because I felt like I had done a lot to own the business up until that point nine months in and then looking back on it in hindsight you know we're just a rookie you know I was just a rookie entrepreneur getting started and and I just took I don't know offense at like the, the, and I also absorbed the idea that, man, I've got a long way to go. (laughs) You know, like to delegate a whole business off to somebody else to run is just overwhelming. And I think in that moment, it just caught up to me that like, yeah, I'm killing myself here, running a company, if I'm being honest with myself, and I have a long way to go before Shannon and I can just hand off this business in a meaningful, appropriate Way that will scale the business even after we're not necessarily running the business. So it was just a it was an it was an aha moment to go oh dang it he's right and he's and I would just say this too like he you know he's he's been really great in counsel in other areas of the business too. So I as a business friend business mentor that I lean into periodically I I pay close attention to what he says about business you know and and so when he said that it, it carried weight with me too.
1: That's one of the things that you've taught me and you called out to me early on whenever I got to know you is You said something along the lines of, I like working with people that when I say something or give them advice because I'm more experienced in this arena, like they actually do the thing. Like That's a novel concept. They actually do what I tell them to do. But it sounds like that's a lesson that you learned because that's what you did with people that were speaking into your business.
0: Yeah. Along the way where I've sought out mentors and I've asked them for a particular thing or stayed in a particular lane. You know, I'd go to them and say, you know, I, I need to learn this from you, but please be careful with what you tell me to do and your advice because I'm going to go do it. Mm. I'm, I'm not going to second guess it. I'm just going to go execute on what you tell me. And they, they're very cautious when they communicate because they, they really aren't being flippant with their words and they, they know that it's for my betterment. But I think it's an important thing to tell a mentor is like, listen, I'm literally going to go do what you say. So, well,
1: and it's amazing you that you have to say that, but the fact that you have to say that is because it's not normal.
0: I guess not. But I, I think that if you want to execute in this world, you, you you can't achieve all of this great success in life without other people and, and leaning into other people's wisdom and their experiences, you know? So, and I, I lost my dad when I was, let's see, I was 24 when he passed away and he was a good friend of mine and, and I'm just, and and obviously a great dad, but I leaned into him for wisdom and when that evaporated and that disappeared, I asked God to basically bring mentors in my life that I could, I could lean into. And throughout the course of my whole life, he's done that.
1: I want to stick on this mentorship topic for just a little bit too. maybe back then, but even now what are the qualities that you look for in someone to speak into your life in such a way that you are actually going to execute on what they say? Because that requires a high degree of trust on your part. So sure. what are you looking for in people to be able to speak in your life in that way, Brian?
0: I think there's a couple, there's actually a few things. So the first thing I would say, Alex, is that I'm, I'm looking for someone that's a couple seasons ahead of me, right? So It's, it's someone that maybe has got a decade on me and that has like maybe done a couple more things more than me, but they're not too far removed that they can't kind of relate with the situation or the scenario. So that's two seasons ahead for me right now. I'm 46. That's, you know, that's guys that are like early thirties, late twenties, you know, babies in the house, recently married, starting their career, or maybe just got their first leadership role. It's that kind of guy for me right now at 46. So I'm looking for a guy in my life that's, you know, a couple seasons ahead of me. And part of the reason why I say guys is because, you know, my wife and I, we've agreed for guardrails in our marriage that I don't spend time with females alone. And so while I think there's incredible wisdom in women that are out there and I can ask them and, and gain their advice, I don't seek out mentorship outside of older guys. So... Mm-hmm. That's that's just kind of our thing. And then the, the, the real truth is most mentors are not looking for you. You have to get in their damage path. Like you have to jump in their tornado and say, look, I'm going to get in your way. And then I'm going to be very specific with what my needs are from you. So, for example, if you see a wildly successful business person and you want to learn from them, but they're a train wreck and they've been divorced seven times of course you're going to ask about business, but you're not going to ask a single question around marriage, right? It's just obvious that you, you just, not everybody is great at everything. And so when you, when you go out and you want to look holistically at your life and and for mentors, you want to say, wow, they're really great at this. And this person's really great at this. And this person's really great at this. So if I were to ask them questions, it'd be in this lane of traffic. So you so you, you really are kind of picking up the best of these folks. And then the thing I mentioned to you earlier is just be really clear with them with what you want. I want to, want to meet with you on a very proactive basis and I need to solve this problem or, you know, I'm going to read the book that you tell me to read and then we're going to get together and we're going to really unpack it together. So just be specific with mentors versus, Hey, you know, can we hang out at a waffle house for half an hour and, you know, just talk about random things that actually don't get to the, the heart of anything.
1: I love that the location of the random meeting is Waffle House. You just (laughs) totally threw Waffle House under the bus. Okay, just just not that type of meeting. Just don't like random
0: conversations with guys who are trying to have a (laughs) weird conversation with me in a a Waffle House.
1: There you go. Bingo. Got it. Man, this is crazy. I was listening to someone talk about, it it was about the Sermon on the Mount, and it talks about the verse where it says, you do not receive because you do not ask, knock and it will be Given to you, and what he the, the claim that he was making, and this guy actually wasn't Christian. He was just doing a diagnosis of what the Sermon on the Mount is saying, and he he was talking about how practical this verse was because he was like, most people don't get what they want because they don't spend the time or the energy to actually figure out what it is. Yeah. And I, and I figure that like that ties directly into what you're saying is like, man, if you're not going to spend some, some time figuring out specifically what you want to ask this man or this woman, then you don't have the right to ask them for an hour of their time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we naturally, when we see people successful and I I get this too, though, I have people go, man, I can, I just have, can I just, you know, have a half hour of your time? And I'm like, Sure you know, if I have the time or if it's compelling enough, but then I get them on the phone or a zoom and they're just kind of like, well, tell me your story. I'm like, that's what you want. Are you my story? Like, what do you specifically need? You know what I mean? Like, how can I help you? Like you can, you can listen to my podcast interviews in like 80 different places. Like, is that the, is that really what you want? And I'm not saying that because like, I've got a giant ego. I'm just like, man, if I were in that situation and I was with somebody of influence or impact or they've they've done something meaningful, I'm going to get very specific and think long and hard about the questions to that person before I'm in the room with them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's just I think it's just important that people become more specific in their ask of folks. You know, Shannon says it this way. My wife, she says, you have not because you asked not. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that. And I've seen her ask some really cool questions of folks over the course of you know my marriage with her. And she's an incredible question asker.
1: Yeah. And Shannon was on, many of the people that are listening to this probably heard her conversation on here and the feedback from that conversation. And it tied back into this whole own, not run concept as well. The feedback's just been awesome. Okay. I want to jump back into that distinction between owning and running because I think you already hit on it some, but I'd love for you to practically describe what does it look like? And this is probably a little bit of a selfish question for me. What, What does it look like practically day to day when a person is owning their business? versus what does it look like whenever they're in the, in the throes of running their business?
0: So I would say, you know, for anybody that may be watching this, you know, Alex, what I would tell you is to put under your your face, put runner. And then on my video, put owner. And that's the difference right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel a little bit like you probably felt in the tent at 10,000 feet. <laughs> the only solace I take is that we're three months in and I'm coming after you. But...
0: Yeah, good, good. No, I, I would say that the day to day looks quite different. And, but keep in mind that I didn't just one day become an owner of a business. I started, or day one, as an owner, but I, I really kind of grew into what ownership actually means. And I, I read a book early, actually, before we ever started the company, Rich Dad Poor Dad, mm-hmm. It really does a good job explaining what an asset is. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I share that book with everybody. I just think it's a really good read because it teaches people really the difference between an asset and liability. Even like right now. You know, I'll go, hey, Harper, my son, he's 12. I'll go, hey, Harper, that car going down the road right there, asset or liability? And he's like, liability. And I go, why is it a liability? Because it, its value goes down over time. Good job, Harper. You know, so. so well,
1: you said 12 years old. Is that yeah. right?
0: Yeah. Really. So, But it's important, old. I think, that business owners recognize that what they have, it should be an asset. So that's, yeah. that's a mindset that you start there with. And an asset over time should grow in value. And what I've discovered now talking with hundreds of business owners is that your business is incredibly more valuable when you're not the only person that's the hero in the company. Mm -hmm. And so that own not run philosophy that Shannon and I carry is we're not going to be the ones that have to solve every problem in the business. We're not going to be the ones that get to do all the cool things in the business. We're not the one that's going to, you know, put out the fires when they roll up, you know, come out. So, We, we've just said, okay, we're going to do what's the highest and best use of our time. And then we incrementally, we review that and we say, oh, that's not the highest and best use of my time. Let's delegate that off. Let's get that out of our way. Let's give this to somebody else that could do even a better job with it. So what happens is a person that's running their company, they're, they're doing all the things. They're not really evaluating the best use of their time. They're, they're doing lower payoff activities Whereas an owner of a company is constantly finding ways to delegate all the aspects of them off. So for example, when, when Shannon and I delegate portions of who we are off to somebody else, it's not a one-to-one type of thing. It's a, it's a small chunk of me that gets delegated to a new full-time role. It's a mindset where you as a founder, especially founders of businesses, you know anything of great success takes more than one person. Mm -hmm. And so to do that, you're going to have to chip off pieces of you and hand them off to other people to take and carry forward in the business. So that's really what own not run meant is rather than saying, it's me focused. I'll be the hero as the owner of the company. I've decided everybody else gets to be the hero around here and everybody, you know, everybody else gets to do the hard thing or the easy thing or whatever, but they're going to do it because I have a better use of my time as the business owner. So, in the early days, I used to do all the contracts. So for 18 months, I used to do all the sales. Sales calls, proposals, you name it, I did it all for 18 months. And I finally got to a place where I realized this isn't the best use of my time now as a CEO. I can go teach somebody how to do the sales. And then I can get above it and really start being more strategic in how I sell, bigger size deals, partnerships. And, and then I did that over and over and over and over and over and over again. And the Shannon did the same thing over and, over and over and over and over and over again. And then what happens is you basically, over time, you work yourself out of the job. Mm. You look at, you look around and you go, well, it's time for someone to replace us as a CEO.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. And then that's when you jump the chasm from being a CEO or a president or a runner of a company. You jump the chasm to being the owner of a company. At that point, it's all about the CEO success and the team success to get the, the the company to the next stage of growth, and as an owner, your job is to tee them up for success and resource and equip them. Because now that asset that we talked about in the early days is at a place where it can run on its own without the owner being involved day to day.
1: Man, and it, it you know you say I think sometimes people hear that phrase "run on its own." And what they think of is they think like, oh, I'm not actually going to effectively delegate anything. I'm just going to go live in the Bahamas and this business is going to be a self-sustaining thing. And yeah. that, I mean, that just seems like snake oil. Like that's on Instagram, but that doesn't actually exist. Like, yeah. you, I, mean, it was a, I mean, it was an, an outrageously intentional process for, for you to get where you've gotten to with Trisha and Belay and the entire team there, correct? That's right.
0: I mean, look at it this way. So Shannon and I started in about this time, Ten years ago, in 2010, with the two of us, we left our great jobs to start this thing. Shortly thereafter, we brought on Trisha for five hours a week as our assistant because that was all we could afford. And then, from that point until today, with you know, say close to 100 people that are full time on my corporate team, plus you know, over a thousand people that are our virtual assistants, our bookkeepers, and so forth. You know, there's a lot of water underneath the bridge between startup and where we are today and it's not an overnight thing whatsoever but there's an intentionality behind it that you're creating an asset that's now working for you as the owner where you don't have to be there day to day and and frankly needed i mean the way you're needed is is really kind of cool because then you're 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 in a posture of serving now the people that are leading the asset forward and i've always believed in servant leadership and I, and I believe in it with all my heart that it's, it's a powerful way to lead people, but with server leadership, you just have to check yourself and your ego at the door. Mm. You're not, you're not the person that gets to be the hero. And you're not the one that's doing the podcast interviews and you're not the one that's on the billboard. And you, you know what I mean? Like the hero stuff's gone, but you own a wonderful, meaningful asset. Your job is to serve your team and serve your leadership so that they can grow and evolve and scale the business up.
1: Mm. As you're talking about this, I feel like there's there's two ways that people can kind of come to this conclusion. Sometimes they come to the conclusion and they feel what you felt in that moment, which is just deep-seated anger, and that anger compels them to action really, really fast. Uh, yeah. Maybe not in the trip down the mountain like, hey, we're going to do this. That's a very uh, quintessentially Brian Miles moment, I feel like, But but – I feel like the other experience that people have with this kind of coincision moment where they reach this conclusion is they just get so freaking exhausted and and they just get so tired and they're like, this isn't why I got into this. But the challenging thing with that is that what you're talking about requires so much work and they reach this conclusion at a stage of complete exhaustion where they're on the verge of burnout. How do you counsel or how do you work with that business owner, Brian, or that business runner for that matter?
0: I think that you, you have to spend time with them enough to know their current situation or current environment. If they're exhausted, you know, there's reasons for that. And you have to be candid and say like, listen you're going to have to probably give something up here because I see it. I see it in business owners all the time that are running their businesses. They're exhausted or they actually hate the thing they once loved. That passion for why they started their business is completely gone and they want to torch their business because it's not, they're now hostage to it
1: or, or their spouse or their family hates it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Or they've they've got someone around them that's sending up warning shots that happens too. And so, you know, you, you have to be when you're when you approach a person like that, and you understand the context of their environment. You have to be very candid with them to say, hey, look, there's a reason why you're here right now. And you're doing a disservice to not really honestly assess why you're here in this moment. And it oftentimes comes down to a couple of factors. One is they want to be the hero. They just want to be the hero. They want to solve all the problems. They want all the glory. And that's the honest truth. Another reason why is they don't trust their team. They just don't trust their team to execute. And I know that's hard to hear. And maybe some people that are running their business right now go, I trust my team. Well, that might be true in some things, but do you trust them with all of it? You know, the hardest things that you have to do as a business owner, could you hand those off to somebody? You need to, you know, to grow and scale your organization. And then I think another thing I hear this too, is I hear this complaint. Well, I don't have the money to go hire a bunch of people. Well, okay, that's fine. Put yourself in a position over time where you can do that. Like maybe you don't have the money tomorrow, but what I know from working with business owners and being one myself is that you'll find the money. You will put money where you know it's valuable. And that's the same thing with your calendar too. Like all I have to do is spend time with the business owner for about 30 minutes and I can ask them meaningful questions around where they spend their time and where they put their money in their business. And I'll tell you the things they value. I mean, it's just, it's blatantly obvious. I can look at a p l and I can look at their calendar and I can say, oops, I see exactly where the problem is here. I see where you're spending your time and what you value. And then they go, well, okay, well teach me. And then that's a great moment when I work with people like that is then they're starting to be open-handed and realize, oh, I guess I don't really need to do that. Or yeah, I really do need to spend the money and I do have the money to do that. Mm. It's just, it takes somebody walking alongside them to do that.
1: And I think there's something in the mindset shift with regard to the time that has to occur in terms of like, just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should. Right. I I was talking to someone the other day that he's he's working with, he's got an incredible team around him, which is awesome. One of the most visionary people I know, the plan that they have laid out, and it's not even just a hag plan. Like they've got a legitimate path to get there They're, yeah. that in the next three years, they want to be a $30 million company. Awesome. And for this team retreat that he had organized, he booked everyone's travel and I was like what like (laughs) Brian Miles would take you for a trip right now that guy would like crush you right now for doing this and 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 the excuse that he gave me was he said no it only it only took me like 30 minutes and it would have taken a long time so how how, like how do you challenge that person or like what do you say to that person
0: I would say if it took you 30 minutes I know really great assistants that could probably do it in fifteen. (laughs) <laughs> it's a complete waste of your time. Like it, now, here's why they do this. Right, I know the reason why people do these types of things, why leaders do this. It's because in their life, when they're leading in the in the capacity they are, whether they're a business owner or they're a leader of business or whatever, the reason why they like to do these low payoff activities like book travel is because they get a sense of completion, and it's a dopamine hit. So they otherwise in their life they don't get to check any box of I've done something today. Mm. So what happens is they look around and they go, oh, I could do that real quick. That feels good. I refuse to see that anymore. I just say, oh, that's easy to do. Someone else can do that. And you just have to do that as a leader if you want to continue to scale. It's like, okay, cool. This is definitely a low-payoff activity. I can find somebody with a less hour wage per hour that can accomplish this so I can stay focused on the things that only I can do as a leader. And so that's why people do that though. I've seen it over and over again. you are like, well, oh, I, I just like mowing my lawn. Okay, well, that's cool, but could you have done something more useful with that time with your family? Or yeah, you know, I just I just like booking my travel because, you know, no one's just gonna understand that I like the aisle row in first class. Are you serious? That's the whole reason why you do travel? <laughs> or, you know, yeah, I like to upgrade my rental car. That's it. That's the whole reason why you like to book your travel. And I, it, 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 so when you really start to unpack why people like to do things, it's simply this, is they like to feel like they completed something in a world where they rarely get to complete anything because the projects they're completing are 60, 90, 120 days to, to feel like they've completed stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. I, I mean, I literally tell people all the time that the reason why I love... Summiting mountains is because, you know, when you're at the top and there's no higher that you could possibly go. I mean, I I would assume you're wired that way as well. Like you've got to love completing things as well. So how did you force yourself to go from, I mean, to go from the primary salesperson and the only salesperson Mm -hmm. to literally in a matter of months saying, I'm now focusing on things that it's way more ambiguous when it's going to be done. There's a whole lot more uncertainty and you can't always draw out a path to the summit.
0: It's a muscle I had to kind of, you know, create is to just to recognize that, Hey, the things I'm doing are lower payoff activity, but a really practical way in the early days, what I would do is this, is I would write on a sheet of paper what I made that year and salary and, you know, and as a business owner, also distributions, kind of write all that down, I'd write down that number, whatever that number was. And then I would divide it by 2080, which is equivalent of a full-time worker. So then I would look at that and I'd say, well, gee, that's, that's a good number. Would I pay somebody that number to book travel? No, I would not. <laughs> so, right. and as you grow as a business owner, you have to remind yourself of that. Put whatever your wages are plus your distribution, take that number, divide it by 2,080. And then you have to ask yourself, would I pay somebody to do that? It's true of mowing a lawn. It's true of booking your travel. It's true of so many other things. And so the best use of your time is generally... As a, as a leader, as a business owner, is to basically get above those types of activities and only do the things that only you can do. And I know that, that phrase gets used a lot, but it's really true. It's a muscle you have to exercise. You have to be brutally honest with yourself in that assessment. It's like, you know what? I just, I just like doing this, but this is not the best use of my time. We all have the same amount of time. We all know that, right? Alex Judd's time that he's given on this earth, in terms of like every day, and same with me, we both have 24 hours in a day. But you can accelerate your business, you can accelerate your mission, you can accelerate your impact, if you're brutally honest about giving other people things to do that, that, that anybody can do, and that you stay focused on the things that only you can do.
1: It seems as though, like, there has to be a level of belief that quality can be pre- preserved to, to really be able to take the risk of trusting people like this. That I mean, I... I ran into that and, you know, I've had this internal struggle as I've started this business. Sure. Like I, I get the joy of being the producer right now. And right. at the same time, I feel like every every few weeks I have you in my ears saying, Alex, get out of the producer role. What are you doing, <laughs> idiot? And like one of the things that helped me bridge that gap mentally and emotionally of being able to graduate from the producer. And although I'm not there yet, we're taking steps in that direction right. is, is, Like I had this recognition that, holy cow, my assistant Lane had everything in Belay delegated to her. And like they taught her how to do this. And Lane has provided me with such service and such value. And I don't know, I'm not positive, but you, Trisha and Shannon, might have never met Lane before. And I just realized like, ho- well, first of all, she's a rock star. She's amazing. But, but I realized like, holy cow, it is possible to provide the same quality that I provide people today with but I don't have to be involved. And and not only is that going to make sure that the experience is preserved, but it's also going to extend the impact way further than I could ever make as an individual producer. Like that's been really powerful for me. But one of the things that I've been kind of questioning is, okay, how do you ensure that you're delegating in such a way that standards and quality are not sacrificed every time you delegate further layers down the organization?
0: I think a lot of leaders, as they start to scale their organization, they start to really kind of embrace delegation. They have to come to this realization that delegation isn't a series of handing off tasks. Delegation is a result of handing off results. Mm-hmm. Big difference. When you, and, and trust is part of that experience. So when you delegate a result, you're communicating, I trust you. When you delegate a task, you're not saying that, that you necessarily don't trust them, but you're not giving them the whole thing. Cause it's just a thing to do. So meaning, Hey, the result for this part of your role, your role is this, and it's big. And here's why this is important to the organization. Here's why your role plays into the su- success of the organization versus here's the 52 things you get to do every day. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you start to really kind of communicate the result delegation speeds along, and I also think that delegation organization is, is highly connected to like the speed of trust. The leader has to start with it first. So the leader has to say, I trust you before they get trust back. And so you, you have to be forward facing as a leader with the trust and extending that all the time. And then getting, and basically then when you do that, recognizing that people are going to screw stuff up from time to time. And by the way, so will you. And as a result of that, you just need to accelerate trust, but also accelerate grace they're, they're very intertwined with each other is look, you're going to mess some things up. You're going to break some stuff, but you're going to get grace when it happens. We're going to learn from it. Don't do it again, but I trust you with the result because it's important. And so I, and the other thing too, I see from a delegation standpoint, leaders quickly want to kind of go to the how or the what or the when, when they need to spend more time going about talking about the why it's like, this is why this is important. This is why your role is important. This is why this meeting is important. This is why the things you do every day are important to the organization and to its mission. And the more times leaders can talk about the why, the the thing that you're doing is that you're giving them the opportunity to fill in the blank when you're not around. And I don't want to miss that point. Like you literally are fill you're allowing them to fill in the blank when you're not around. They can, they're they're adults, right? They're gonna put the why and it's right place because they know where you're headed as an organization and why their thing isn't very important. Then they can start doing the what, the when, and the how when you're not around. That's delegation. And so you, you let people surprise you with how they execute versus kind of look over their shoulder, right? You let, you let people maybe do things different than the way you do it as the business owner and let them surprise you with how quick they did it and how efficient they did it and how much quicker they did it than you. You know, so it's, it's more about this is why this is important. And then here's the result I need from you versus just giving them tasks, you know, and looking over the shoulder. That's, that doesn't do anybody any good. This idea that if I can't see you, I have to control you. That, that, that notion is being busted apart right now in COVID, you know, like literally like with the whole COVID mess that's going on, people for the first time, they're having to work from home and leaders are reluctantly saying, I trust you to produce a result. It's happening everywhere. And that's why you're seeing a lot of leaders doing clawbacks and say, no, come back in the office. I got to see you. (laughs) Right?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: That's what's happening is that there's what's not there is trust.
1: Mm. I think it was either you or Shannon that told me whenever you y- were talking about your Enneagram specifically, y- they, uh, I think it was Shannon maybe said, Brian's an eight with an eight wing. Um, and and I don't know if everyone listening to this knows the Enneagram, but I just know that, that the eight, the thing that the eight values is loyalty to a high degree. And sure. the thing, anytime I read about eights on the Enneagram, it's like, trust is hard to win and, and at the same time, like if you burn this person, man, they are going to, but like, they are going to wage barely warfare on you. And like, they're going to take you down. Like, do not get on this person's bad side. But it's so interesting that it's like, I mean, I know that that's how you're wired. And at the same time, clearly this ability to trust is something that you've developed. How, like, did, was that a tense road to walk for you to get to this point? Or what was that experience like for
0: you? It really wasn't because I've always seen our leadership as a stewardship. And that leadership, and I learned this from my pastor, Andy Stanley. I mean, leadership is two things. It's time bound, meaning it's going to end one day. I will not be the CEO of this company one day, or I will not be the owner of this company one day, or I will not be the manager of this company one day. Whatever that is, it's the recognition that it's time bound. And then the part of stewardship is that you're managing something that's not yours. It's those two things. So for me, why would I hold on so tightly to something and keep it small when I can just allow other people to kind of join in the mission of what we're doing and hand off parts of who I am and my leadership to other people to execute and to scale. I'm stewarding an asset and hopefully I'm growing that asset really, really well. So for me, I've always seen it through the lens of stewardship. And I was fortunate because when we first moved here to Atlanta after college, I started hearing Andy talk about this, this concept. And so I worked and Shannon worked in jobs for 10 years and we had our own careers. So when we jumped off the bridge in you know, middle 30s, our middle 30s to go start this company, I already had this foundation of recognition that leadership is a stewardship. You're, you're a leader for a season and you're accountable. And to that end, I believe that to be the case of business ownership. So it's easy for me to hand off things because I, I get to see the joy in that when people, they swallow the hook on the mission of our, our business and then they can take that and run with it. That's good. I think that's good stewardship.
1: So it's almost like just the practicality of it. It's like it gives you the ability to scale all those other blockers. What is the role that ego plays as a blocker to all of the things that we're talking about right now <laughs> with regard to stewarding your business and regard to creating an asset in regard to trusting your team?
0: What I would say is this, uh, that guy, Jeff, that I mentioned earlier that was on the mountain with me that really challenged me about business ownership, he's the one that had this quote and I've used it and carried it forward and shared it with everybody. But he said this, he said, ego is dilutive to net worth. It just is. Have a big ego, watch your assets dwindle. Have a little tiny ego or no ego, watch your assets grow. Every time you insert your ego, it's dilutive to net worth. So I've just always believed that to be the case. Big ego, tiny assets, little ego, big assets. And why that's important is because we're stewarding something. We're stewarding it to the next generation of our kids. Maybe or we're stewarding something because it's really important for um, people to feel like they work somewhere with meaning, you know? So you you have to, as a business owner, just check your ego, but it it is, ego is dilutive to net worth
1: gosh, still gives me chills. It's still very convicting. Okay. So that's really interesting though. One of the things that I always think about with regard to you is the fact that you say that statement. Sometimes I think about that and I think like, okay, well then the answer is to be this meek Pensive, n- non aggressive, passive business owner that yeah. is just walking on eggshells anytime you're moving forward. And at the same time, like you are the person that has taught me ego is dilutive to net worth. And simultaneously, you're one of the most aggressive, forward thinking entrepreneurs that I know, period. And so, like, how do those two go hand in hand? Because it doesn't feel, I never get the feeling like, oh man, Brian's like really internally conflicted right now. It feels like the two go hand in hand.
0: Oh, I appreciate you saying that. I, th- I think that I have my moments, right? My eight wing eight shows up periodically. <laughs> and by the way, I mean Enneagram's great, but it's like Christian astrology for me, right? We're not, we're more than Pisces. We're more than INTJs, and we're more than disc profiles. Like we're, we're people, you know. And, and but I, I I think it's good to do all that stuff. So I'm not I'm not poking fun at it as much as I think you can learn from those things. But you also have to be accountable to your actions, regardless of what number you are or what label you put on yourself, you you still are accountable. But I I would say this is that I've just always felt like I was meant to lead something. And in this instance today, Shannon and I own over 10 different companies, you know, Belay being one, we own a brewery and we own some other assets. And so I'm just simply stewarding things. I'm doing my best to steward things, but I also have this responsibility I feel to lead other people. And I got challenged by um, the old CEO that was part of the company that I left to start Belay with Shannon in 2010. He is an incredible guy and we're still friends today. I just got done backpacking with him in Wyoming. Awesome human being. His name's Bill. Bill one time and I was, I think I was 29 and I, I was like that pesky guy. I'm like, Hey, give me more leadership. Give me more leadership. And what I was really saying is give me a bigger paycheck. Right. That's what i was saying. He stopped me on an escalator. We were at the Marriott downtown Atlanta we were like halfway down the escalator and he just turns to me and he goes, why do you want to lead? And I'm like, I got nothing. I don't know. I never, no one asked me that question before. I don't know. (laughs) Just give me more leadership. Right. And I was this 29 year old, you know, eager, ambitious guy, probably my eight was showing up, you know? And so I, I wrestled with that question. I could not answer it. It drove me nuts. And then Over like the next kind of, I'd say quarter to two quarters, I just started that really kind of wrestle through why do I want to lead people? And it wasn't necessarily it's a money thing, although I think that comes when people are really good leaders and they see their leadership as a stewardship. For me, and everybody's got to answer this that wants to lead people. But for me personally, the reason why I want to lead is I love watching people personally develop. Mm. Love it. And so why wouldn't I want to delegate? And watch them personally develop. Why wouldn't I want to coach them through a nuance? Because I see them personally develop. Why wouldn't I want somebody to come to my house and spend a weekend and we cannonball into really hard things that we discuss? You know, like life and where we're headed. You know, collectively. And why wouldn't I want to mentor guys? Like it's all of that stuff is because I love watching people personally develop, and it's part of who I am. So as we create new things, or we create new entities, or companies, or whatever, it's another opportunity for me. To lead people because I love watching them personally develop, and I I love personal development. Me personally, I'm willing to change and morph and grow just alongside everybody else because I'm not this giant of a guy that you know has these things. I'm a person that is stewarding something that I think God has entrusted to me.
1: Mm. I, you, I, I don't know that I've ever heard that why, and that's pretty remarkable because it, it, I feel like it adds context to everything that I've already experienced in my relationship with you. Very cool.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a really great book, I will tell you, that Bill, that former CEO, told me, and I read it, and I now have, we have an Ascend program inside of Belay for upcoming leaders, and one of the books they read is called Leadership on the Line, it's an incredible book. A guy named Ron Heifetz wrote it. It's called Leadership on the Line. And there's a part in the back of the book called your sacred heart. It's like the last chapter. And it is just such a good read because you have to protect your heart as a leader, but you also have to give it away. And it's just, I just, that whole book is incredible leadership principles. It's like one of the best leadership books I've ever read. It's called leadership on the line.
1: Awesome. I love it. And we'll put the link to that book in the show notes as well. That's killer. Thanks, Brian. One of the guys that I read and listen to pretty regularly is a guy named Jordan Peterson. And one of the things that I heard him say recently was that what he has observed as a clinical psychologist is that people find purpose whenever they identify what is optimal struggle that they voluntarily engage with. And he said that like purpose is not found in convenience or whenever you... like chill out on the beach and just relax purposes and like purposes found in struggle that you undertake voluntarily. And like, I think so often we think that like, okay, I I'm going to own this company and that earns me the ability to chill out. And, and I mean, you, you send me pictures sometimes. You have, you have no shortage of chill out in your life. But at the same time, like, you, like, you have the ability to stop working right now. And I know this about you and Shannon. Like, you have the ability, you could, you could retire tomorrow and be done. But instead, you're starting a brewery. You're starting Own oh, Not Run to Pour into Other People. Like, what gives you the courage to take on more heartache, more struggle, more difficulty whenever you have the ability to just say, okay, let's, let's go to the house in Florida and chill out.
0: I, th- I just think that, you know, I'll, I'll just be very direct about this. I believe, and I don't know who's listening to this, but I'm, I'm saying this from Brian Miles. I believe that one day when I die, I'm going to stand before an amazing God and I'm going to be on a knee what I want him to do is say, Hey, stand up, give me a high five. I, you know, the life that he gave me, I was used. I was, I was purposed with it. I was, it was, it was given to me for a reason. And I, 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 you know, I didn't run out the clock, you know, I just went so hard into this life that he gave me that while I would be on a knee and respect him, he'd say, Hey, high five or a fist bump or something, you know, like, that is my kind of my my big big why in all of this is that i 'm stewarding a life, not just a business i 'm stewarding a life that hopefully brings God glory, not me and so I think that 's why we do things and i 'm really good at you know starting businesses, not all of them are great by the way let 's be honest like not all <laughs> some of them are dogs but i 'm good at it and I'm not good at heart surgery, so I'm not going to be a heart surgeon, right? I'm going to stick in my lane and start businesses because I know that's where I'm good. And it's benefited our family. Yes, we you know have been afforded some really cool things, but those things are also assets that help other people too, in, in terms of where we're able to give. and And I've learned something too, that really I've kind of come into over the last few years is that generosity for me is less about writing a check now, it's because that's I'll be honest, it's kind of easy to do right now. It's a lot more generous of me when I give my time. Mm. So I'm, you know, I'm looking around for the things where I need to be intentional, where I feel like God's calling me to spend our time and for our family's time for that matter. And what ministries are moving the dial and, and what businesses are really purpose-driven or wanting to have a big impact that I can get behind and push. You know, those are the things that I feel like equal a really great life. And I'll, I'll share this one other thing. I lost a really close friend of mine last November, almost a year ago over Thanksgiving break. He was a close friend of mine. He loved God. He was 48. Picture of health. He had just finished a CrossFit workout and two hours later passed away. It was, it was, it was just jarring. And I miss him just about every day still. He's just a, He was a really great guy, close friend of mine. And so I use that. I already thought it, but now I use it. Is look, our time here's brief. Let's get after it. You know, let's let's help other people. Let's grow things. Let's let's be meaningful in the lives that we live. And I guess that's that's kind of my you know my my motivation in a nutshell.
1: Thank you for sharing that. That's remarkable. And <laughs> I I don't know if it's because you tell that story with a workout involved, but it's like the the image, like I feel like the perfect example of using the time you've got and maxing out is the workout that you've taught me that I hate. I. (laughs) Uh, 1500. That's right. I, and I hate you for teaching it to me, but it's like, I mean, literally the whole basis and we'll put, we'll put an example of this work out of the show notes too. Cause it's just so compelling, but the whole basis of that workout. And I feel like the whole basis of, of like, even the message that you're giving today is just like max out the time that you've got. Yeah. And none of this like jog a 10 minute mile, like we're going to max out the time that we got, which I absolutely love.
0: I, um, I, I just had a guy at the house here, last week and he was here for 48 hours and kind of did like this little intensive thing with him. And, you know, we're, so in 48 hours, we did three workouts and one of those was the 1500 and you know, it's just brutal, you know, But brutal. we have to take care of our bodies. Right. I mean, that's part of it. you can't have, you know, a really great golden paycheck one day and not have a golden body to go with it. Right. Your body sustains you to do the things that you need to do. So you have to really take good care of yourself, but that 1500, that's a gift to humanity. <laughs> that's right yeah
1: gift curse we'll decide <laughs> we'll let y'all do it. and okay here's the deal if y'all do it we're going to post the link to a workout in the show notes or we'll post the workout in the show notes if y'all do it you have to tag brian you have to tag <laughs> Own not run you have to tag path their growth because i want so bad to see what your face is like that would be when awesome. you do it so please 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 do that and we'll we'll make a plan that if you do that we'll all buy a copy of brian's book virtual culture and send it to you because you did the workout so we'll make sure we do that i want Oh, on doing weird. that. That's the beauty of owning a business is I can just make that up while we're recording. Right. It's brilliant. I love it. Okay. Gosh, you keep leading us into other topics. You you, you said the body and I know you've got four B's that you used yeah. to really evaluate. So we don't have to dive deep into these, but I know this is crucial for your personal development in yeah. terms of how you evaluate success. So teach us on that a little bit, Brian. Yeah. So
0: I think there's there's four things that I kind of score myself on every day. And the first is, My being, meaning my relationship with God? And am I doing things on a daily basis that kind of demonstrate that? Am I praying or am I meditating? Am I journaling? You know, I'm doing things that basically create a closer walk with my Heavenly Father. The second thing is in balance, you know, do I have a good connection with my wife and my kids? And am I helping other people? Like, is my balance in alignment? And what am I doing on a daily basis to make daily deposits in those people that matter to me most? And then my body, what we just talked about, am I eating right? Am I I putting fuel in my body that's going to equal its success long-term? And when I'm in my 70s and someone bumps into me, are they going to feel it? Right? Like that's, I'm looking at (laughs) I
1: love that that criteria. That is such a legit (laughs) criteria.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, the other part of that is, did I sweat today? You know, did I somehow sweat, whether that's yoga, a run, a 1500, whatever, did I sweat? And the final thing is business is, you know, for me, it's businesses. Is did I advance them, you know? And, and did, I, did I move the, the ball forward in at least one way as an owner of the business today? Did I advance them in business? And then the other part of that is that I really see this as a stewardship. You know, did I really acknowledge where all this came from? And am I keeping that moving and that forward in that sense? And so those things are body, being, balance, and business are just things that I score myself on over the course
1: of a day, because I know that incremental deposits in a certain direction equal amazing results long term. Mm. Yeah. I just think that that's such awesome criteria to just like, and it's nice to have in your back pocket just to like, say like, okay, I'm feeling like I'm in a funk right now. And you can walk through those four B's and be like, okay, well, it's pretty clear while well, I'm in a funk and, and I just right. need to focus more. I need to apply more intentionality to this area. That's so valuable. What is, what is the area or wh- where is the area that you're growing right now, Brian?
0: I would say it, it, you're asking this, like this four areas, or Is no, right? just
1: in general, what's something that you're learning or an area that you're being challenged to grow right now?
0: You know, I've I've really started to take like a deep dive in meditation. Oh. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I know how to do it. And it's it's not some Eastern mysticism, weird thing, right? It's just really just harnessing your thoughts in a certain direction and being open to, in my case, hearing what the Holy Spirit might want to say to me. And that, you know, some people would say, well, that's the mind's eye and whatever else. I, I'm not dissing anybody's beliefs on that. For me, I choose to see it as a way for God to connect with me and for me to connect with him. So that's meditation. I've just been studying that lately and seeing like methods for how which people do that. And and I've i really just really enjoyed it. Like it's 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 active napping, you know, it's very, <laughs> it's very uh giving. To you to to kind of clear your head or to critically think through something and meditate, you know, or to look around the corners at a problem that maybe everybody else is looking at face value. And for you to look around the corners and play a little bit more chess and not checkers. And so meditation, I've learned, is, is actually a really meaningful way to sort through things without being a train wreck for other people and losing sight of the fact that you are a boat going through the water and you've got integrity connected to it. And then that boat, you know, what leaves a wake so I don't want to leave a wake in people's lives where they're flopping back and forth behind my wake. So I try and think of ways of how I'm cruising through the water and I can honor the people that are in the water around me.
1: Gosh, that's good. Because it's like you're going to process through that stuff regardless. It's going to happen. The question is, like, are you going to do it when you're silent on your own, when you're actually in your thoughts? Or are you going to do it when, whenever you bring all the people into the mess with you? That's good.
0: Man, yeah, I was going to say the other thing too that I'm learning a lot about is our brewery just recently got a distilling license. So we're creating vodka and gin. <laughs> and so I'm learning so much about how these things are made. It's so fascinating. And, and like, I'm like a kid in a candy store because I'm like, wow, I had no idea this is how this is done. For example, our gin is made with 17 botanicals, 17. Oh and it word. tastes amazing. But I'm like, why would we add juniper? I just want to know these things, and so I'm doing like a deep dive in that right now, and it's paying off because I mean I like that stuff. I'm I'm enjoying it, but like our our gin is almost world class right out of the gate, and I'm I am biased, admittedly, but we have people that are snobs in gin, and they're like, "Wow, this is really good." So I'm pretty excited.
1: Well, I, I'm I'm not a snob on beer I'll drink bud light but I, I do I do like a uh, good beer and I'll tell you the the if y'all are anywhere within two hours of coming to Georgia you have to go to nofo Brewing Company yeah. like you are missing out because I mean what's so cool I mean I feel like the thing that separates a, a great brewery from a good brewery is the atmosphere obviously the quality of the beer and but also just the brand associated with this and it's just so clear that your team there has just really focused on the vibe that y'all are trying to create, man, it's just so legit. I'm just such a fan of NoFo. You know this. My goal is to be a NoFo influencer one day. I wear y'all swag everywhere I go. That's,
0: Um, That's easy. I can help you with that one.
1: There you go. Very good. Very good. Before we get to the final question, we've, we've covered a lot of the arenas that, that you and Shannon are involved in. So tell people how they can stay connected with you, with everything that you're doing through Own Not Run and everything else, Brian.
0: Well, Own Not Run is the easiest place to kind of talk about this topic that we've unpacked today. It says ownnotrun.com. We are also on Instagram, pretty active there. I'm also on Instagram personally. You can catch up with my antics there at Brian Miles. And of course, Belay. Uh, amazing organization that I love. I love its meaning behind it and why we do what we do for Belay and how we serve leaders. That's belaysolutions.com. And if you happen to be in the area, you want to have a great beer and eventually one day some amazing gin. It's nofobrew.co.
1: Awesome, and they're on Instagram and have a killer, uh, killer social media presence as well. We didn't, we we talked a high level about Belay on here, but I used to always be so skeptical of anyone that would be on a podcast or on TV and be like, "Oh my God, this product changed my life." And I can and now I'm the person that I hate because I can oh, exactly say, "Oh my God." I mean, I you, know, I mean, you know this. I use one of y'all's bookkeepers, and Lane is is our superstar assistant, and it legitimately changed my life. Like I swear, I have there's two things. Things in my life. One of them is my Apple AirPods, where every time I put them in, I say this is amazing. And then every time I meet with Lane Finnegan, I say, "Oh my God, this is amazing." And so I would just tell y'all, if you're in that spot where you're running, you you have to you have to talk to Belay. I really really believe that. I believe in that organization as much as anyone we've worked with in the early stages of Path for Growth. Okay, final question for you. Uh, a lot of the things that we talked about today, even on the personal side. Um, or on the the not running your business but owning your business side, it's going to require a lot of maybe harsh looks in the mirror for people. But then out of that, it's going to require a lot of intentional action and execution. What's the encouragement that you would give them as they step into that, Brian?
0: I think that i mentioned some things I think are important for me as a leader and why I like to lead. I think it would be very important for you as the person listening to this to make sure that you have a solid why behind why you want to lead, why you want to own companies, and really get to the bedrock understanding of that. I I think that that's really important. The thing where I would say to encourage you is that it's owning a business is a lot like climbing mountains. Hmm. It's one foot in front of the other over and over again. It's actually, if you climb mountains and you've ever done it, you walk walked across a glacier, you feel like a tiny ant walking across this giant piece of moving ice, one foot in front of the other. And so over time, you'll find that that one foot in front of the other has moved you a long way from point A to point B. So I would just say, be sure that you're intentional with where you're pointing towards point B. And that's my encouragement to you is just walk in the direction that you know, and that you desire to go, and then really focus on the four things that I talked about in your own way, body being mouse business, but know the intent behind point B, because a lot of people I meet, I'll just be very honest, they don't know where point B is, and they're just kind of walking in a circle. And you don't climb mountains walking in a circle. <laughs> I don't know if that helps anybody, but I'm, I will just say personally, I'm cheering you on. And, you know, Alex didn't get a giant check for saying the nice things about Belay uh, <laughs> yet, right. but right. I would say it's it's been a joy and I appreciate everybody that has stuck to the very end of this podcast because it's got to be over three hours by this point. <laughs> That's right. Uh,
1: well, I'll tell you. Prior to prior to hitting record, one of the things I thought about was what's my objective for this conversation, Brian. And I, I went back and looked at my notes from the weekend that I spent with you and Shannon, and I just read what I wrote at the end of those notes as my biggest takeaway. And I said, man, if we can accomplish that on this podcast, it may be a long one, but it will be absolutely <laughs> worth it. And I just wanted to read what I wrote because I think we did it today. It said, this was my greatest takeaway from the entire weekend. I've known for a long time that I thrive when people believe in me. It bolsters my belief in myself. Spending time with your family, being you and Shannon and your kids, this weekend showed me that freedom, ownership, the ability to use my gifts, the opportunity to chart my own path, the idea that healthy business and marriage and family can all occur, all in a way that glorifies God, it's all possible. And for me, I will tell you personally, that was transformative. And I know that it will be the same case for people that listen to this. So thank you personally. Personally, for your time and investment in me, and thank you for your time today, Brian.
0: Thank you so much. This has been fun.
1: Brian Miles, man, I so appreciate uh, your generosity, your abundance mentality, your commitment to growth, and just the time that you spent to share your wisdom with us on this podcast today. Okay, there's a couple things that I want to make sure you're aware of. Number one is we're going to put all the links to Brian's companies and the resources that we talked about today in the show notes of this episode, so make sure you check those out. We also said that we're going to put a 1500 workout in the show notes, so I'm going to put that in a PDF. You can go down, grab the PDF, and here's the deal. If you do it, and I'll put the instructions on how to do it. It's hard, but everyone on here can do it. I really believe that because there's not a specific amount of time. You just have to do the work. Right. And as fast as you can, you do the work. And so if that's something that you want to commit to doing, what you have to do is you have to take a picture of yourself, take a selfie of yourself after the workout and make sure you tag myself, Brian, Path for Growth and Own Not Run. And I will send you a copy of Brian's book virtual culture, we may throw in some other gifts as well. So that's a total challenge. I don't know if any of you are up for that challenge because it is painful. But if you are, game on. Let's go. Make sure you get that picture and make sure you let us know we're rooting for you in that. And it will teach you a lot too. There's, I mean, there's so many principles in working out and pushing yourself to your limits. And certainly that is the case in fifteen hundred. Hey, one other thing I I told you at the beginning that we had a conversation with Brian's wife, Shannon, incredible conversation that maybe even goes a little bit deeper into the topic of delegation and effectively handing off real responsibility. So we'll put the link to that episode in the show notes as well. Finally, if you haven't yet, we would really, really appreciate if you would rate this episode, review this episode, and subscribe to this episode. Seriously, y'all's comments mean the world to me. I I read those comments every single week. And number one, it gives me motivation as the host of this podcast and the founder of this company that we need to keep building, we need to keep going, but also we take your feedback into account and it forms what we're going to be doing moving forward. If you haven't yet, please, please, please take some time to do that. Y'all know that we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go.
0: Let's go. Let's go.